Good morning. Welcome to our March 15th, 2016 Plans and Programs Committee meeting of our San Francisco Transportation Authority. I am Katie Tang, the chair of this committee, and to my left we have Commissioner Peskin, Avalos, and to my right, Commissioner Cohen. Our clerk is Steve Stamos, and from SFGovTV, we'd like to thank Jim Smith and Leo Diasis. <coughs> And uh, with that, then, if we can go to roll call, please. Okay. Item one, roll call. Commissioner Avalos? Here. Avalos present. Commissioner Cohen? Here. Cohen present. Commissioner Farrell? Farrell absent. Commissioner Peskin? Present. Peskin present. Commissioner Tang? Present. Tang present. We have quorum. Thank you. If we could call item two, please. Item two, Citizens Advisory Committee report. This is an information item. Thank you. I think we have Chris Wadling, our CAC chair. Good morning, Commissioners. Um, here to report on uh, four items in your packet today. Uh, item number four, improving Westside Transit Access Strategic Analysis Report. Uh, this was approved unanimously by the CAC. Uh, most of our comments included uh, things like uh, need to look at uh, more closely at non-commute hours, um, potential connections to the BART Travel Incentives Program, which is item nine on your agenda today. Uh, more attention being paid to commuters traveling to the South Bay uh, and exploration of multi-agency efforts to create a viable alternative to the private commuter shuttles. Uh, item number six, uh, 2.2 million in Prop AA funds. This was also approved unanimously with one abstention. Um, our, our comments were mostly about uh, clarification on the selection and fund allocation process and uh, public comments included concerns about geographic equity in the pedestrian safety projects. Item number seven, 11 million in Prop K and 800,000 Prop AA. This was also approved unanimously with one abstention. Um, and then on the rail capacity update, item number eight, um, our comments were mostly on the Geary LRT, um, mostly on the time frame of, time frame of delivery, um, citing the near-term increases around demand projections, indicating that the LRT should be considered now and not later. Um, regarding transit in the eastern neighborhoods and the southeast, the CAC and public comment requested greater investments in transit that could not only um, handle the increased demand expected, but also to serve the existing populations. And with that, take any questions. Thank you. Thank you for your reports and for weighing in on the, uh, especially the West Side um, SAR yeah. and your comments. Uh, any, seeing no questions or comments then, we'll open this item up to public comment. So item two, any members of the public? Seeing none, public comment is closed. And if we can go to our consent calendar. Uh, items three to four comprise the consent calendar. These items are considered routine. Staff is not planning to present on these items, but are prepared to present if desired. If a member objects, any of the consent items may be removed and considered separately. Thank you. Seeing no questions or comments from the committee, um, any public comment on the consent calendar? Seeing none, public comment is closed. If we take a roll call vote, please. On the consent calendar, Commissioner Avalos? Aye. Avalos, aye. Commissioner Cohen? Aye. Cohen, aye. Commissioner Farrell. Farrell, absent. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Tang? Aye. Tang, aye. The consent calendar passes. All right. Thank you. This consent calendar passes. And if we can call item five, please. Item five, recommend appointment of two members to the Citizens Advisory Committee. This is an action item. Thank you. And we have, I'm sorry, Mike Pickford here. Good morning. I'm Mike Pickford. Uh, the Transportation Authority's Citizens Advisory Committee has 11 members, each serving a two-year term. The Plans and Programs Committee recommends and the Board appoints individuals to fill any CAC vacancies. Neither the Transportation Authority staff nor the CAC itself make recommendations on appointments. And to qualify for appointment to the CAC, applicants must be San Francisco residents and must appear before this committee at least once to speak to their interest and qualifications. Attachment one for this item shows information about current committee members and the list of applicants for vacant positions is attachment two. Uh, detailed application materials for each applicant can be found in the enclosure. The vacancies under consideration today are the result of the resignation of Wells Whitney and the term expiration of John Larson. Uh, Mr. Larson is seeking reappointment. Uh, there are a total of 26 applicants that you can consider for these vacancies, and with that I can take any questions. Thank you. I don't see any questions here at this time. Um, I believe that uh, we had received word from Commissioner Yee that he would support uh, the reappointment of John Larson for District 7 um, as this District 7 representative and Super, I mean, Commissioner Peskin. Madam uh, Chair, if we could delay the District 3 appointment to our next meeting, I would appreciate that. All right. So the motion to continue the District 3 appointee, Second. seconded by Commissioner Cohen, and we'll take that without objection. Um, are there any other applicants who may be in the audience here? All right. Please come on up and make a presentation. 
And if you wouldn't mind letting us know which uh, seat you are interested in. Uh, I'm Marlon McGriff. I'm in District 8. I'm not in District 3 or any of the other vacant districts. Uh, but I still wanted to come ahead and state that I'm interested in any district vacancy that is available and open, even though I don't reside or work in that district. Okay. So um, actually, did, did you already submit an application? I did. You did. Okay. So you're part of the packet. Correct. Okay. Great. Thank you very much. Any questions or comments on that? No? Okay. Thank you very much. Any other applicants who are here who have submitted applications? Okay. Seeing none, then we'll open up this item, item five, to public comment. Any members of the public who wish to comment on item five? Okay. Seeing none, public comment is closed. And colleagues, so. All right. Thank you, Commissioner Avalos. Seconded by Commissioner Cohen, and we can take that without objection. All right. So we'll move on. John Larson for District Seven, and continue to District Three appointee. We can go to Item Six now. Item Six: Recommend approval of the 2016 Prop AA call for projects pro programming recommendations, totaling two million one hundred ninety-two thousand nine hundred thirty-four for four projects, and amendment of the Prop, uh, Prop AA strategic plan. This is an action item. Thank you. We have Anna Lafort here. Good morning, Supervisors. Anna Lafort, Deputy Director for Policy and Programming at the Transportation Authority. I'm pleased to present to you the item um, with the 2016 call for projects for the Prop AA vehicle registration fee program. Just an overview of the program. This is a, an additional $10 vehicle registration fee that was approved by San Francisco voters in November of 2010. It is a relatively fall, small source of funding, uh, generating less than $5 million a year. Um, and in, in, in representation of the relatively small amount of funding, there are only three funding categories, um, street repair and reconstruction, pedestrian safety, and transit reliability and mobility improvements. And one of the primary focuses of the program is also on quick-to-deliver projects. Representing also that, um, that idea is that any funds that become available throughout the program would be reprogrammed as they become available to the extent possible. And these would be from projects that are completed under budget or if a project is able to be funded um, um, you know, through uh, new revenue sources. So we have approximately $1.193 million that is available for reprogramming um, right now. And sorry, um, I just wanted to also give you a few highlights of the program to date. So in the current um, strategic plan for Prop AA, there is about $26 million that is programmed in the first five years, and it's programmed to 19 projects. And I'm pleased to report that the program is on track. There have been allocations of more than $21 million. Um, dollars to date. And so there have been a few projects that have been completed under budget in the categories that are shown on your screen that have generated funds available for um, for an immediate call for projects. And given that we had about twice the amount of funds requested than we had available for programming, and we're nearing the end of the first five years of the strategic plan, and when the board adopted the first five years of projects, um, we um, we had revenue assumptions that were based on a certain number of vehicles that would be registered in San Francisco on a monthly basis and then on an annual basis. Um, but we've decided to revisit our revenue assumptions to see if more funds could be available for programming at this time. And um, I'll go into the details of the additional revenue assumptions, but based on a revised analysis of the revenues, we have approximately $1 million additional that's available for programming, and it could either be programmed at this time through the call for projects, or it could be available next year with the strategic plan update. This brings the total amount available, assuming that the funds would be reprogrammed um, at this time, or at least the amount that's available in general, to about $2.2 million. The 
This slide shows the analysis of the revenues that are available, um, that are available now and that were estimated to be available back in 2012. We began collecting revenues in March of 2011. And it's, it's a relatively modest amount of additional revenues. It's about 3.9% additional. Um, when you look at it over the five-year period that we have been collecting revenues, it, it totals just over a million dollars. And when you net out the 5% in program administration costs, that's how you end up with the amount that's available for projects right now. This does preserve a $240,000 capital reserve, which is about 5% of the annual revenues, which we think is prudent, just to buffer against fluctuations in revenues. However, this source has been a relatively stable amount of um, revenue over the years. It's just the increment was slightly higher. On this slide, you see the applications that we received. So we received... Um, Five applications requesting about $2.6 million, and even with the increased revenues, we are not able to fully fund all of the um, applications as requested. We uh, reviewed the applications for eligibility. We scored the applications, and you can see the details of the criteria in your enclosure. But in general, there's program-wide criteria, which is primarily based on project readiness. Can the project, in this particular case, can the project proceed to construction or at least to design in this fiscal year? Um, an analysis of community support, construction coordination opportunities. There are also some category-specific um, criteria, for example, with the pedestrian safety category that the projects are consistent with Walk First. And then for the funds in the transit reliability category, which you saw were just over $500,000 on a prior slide, there was a, a, um, a special condition adopted in the 2012 strategic plan that any funds that became available in this category from cost savings would be prioritized, or cost savings or canceled projects, um, that the funds would be prioritized for Muni Rapid Network, network projects. Which is um, reflected in our funding recommendation primarily for the Munibus layover um, area at BART Daily City funding recommendation. We are recommending fully funding that project with the amount of funds that are available in that category. Um, as well as four projects in the pedestrian safety category. We are not recommending funding for the Presidio Trust Greenwich Gate project. This was the lowest scoring project. Um, and it also, um, it, it, the, the um, scores primarily rec uh, recognized the lack of project readiness and also the lack of funds after higher scoring projects were funded. For the Muni bus layover project, this will accommodate planned service increases for the 14 rapid. Um, the service increases will begin in the next few months, and this will allow for the Muni buses to lay over um, within the parking lot on the upper part of the um, paid parking lot at the BART station. It will take about 30 parking spaces, but BART is supportive of this project as the revenues will be recovered with the ad additional ridership on BART um, from the increased service at the station. Um, Sam Trans will also be committing um, <coughs> funds to this project. Um, we are also recommending funding for two One Bay Area grant projects with funding shortfalls. This is the Broadway Chinatown Street Streetscape project, um, which we are recommending with funding of just over a million dollars, <throat> and also to the Mansell Streetscape project. Both of these projects are um, actually Mansell is already under construction, and Broadway Streetscape has um, has bids out for advertisement and possibly have come in recently. So this would fully fund the One Bay Area grant projects, which are high priorities for San Francisco, and we'd like to see them um, uh, advancing smoothly. And then we are also recommending partial funding for the design phase of the Walk First um, bulb out location, and this would fund up to 25, um, the upgrade of up to 25 existing painted safety zones with concrete bulb outs on pedestrian high entry corridors throughout the city. And SFMTA would prioritize the locations based on the walk first um, criteria and also based on the collision history at these locations. So it would literally take out the stay fit posts and the paint and put in permanent um, concrete bulb outs. 
And the locations are shown on this map. I also have additional information on the locations of the potential locations um, for the Bulbouts project if folks are interested. I'm happy to disseminate that information. Project sponsors are here. Happy to answer any questions that you might have. Um, otherwise, that concludes my presentation. Thank you very much. Commissioner Peskin. I just wanted to um, thank staff uh, and my colleagues for the million-plus dollars to uh, do the fourth phase of the Broadway streetscape improvements. Um, unfortunately, a few days late for a pedestrian fatality that happened on Friday morning at 5.50 a.m. Uh, as a resident of District 3 who lived around the corner um, died in a hit and run at that intersection. Um, I spent some time there on Friday and again over the weekend and yesterday morning uh, visited the widow of the individual who was killed, um, and the police are looking for the hit-and-run driver. Uh, but there are some immediate things that we can do that I discussed with uh, Director Riskin at the MTA, including some daylighting on those corners um, until this project comes along. But it is sorely needed. It is a very, very dangerous intersection, and it is right next to an elementary school. So I'm delighted that it's moving forward. Thank you very much, Commissioner Peskin. Anyone else? Okay. Seeing none, thanks again. I think that all of these projects are wonderful. I'm looking forward also to the improvements uh, to help with efficiency uh, over at Daly City BART. So, all right. So at this time, then we'll open up item six to public comment. Any members uh, of the public? Last week, an uh, elderly Chinese uh, gentleman was killed uh, at the corner of a Broadway and a Powell Street in Chinatown. So that's just a... What happened is uh, those Chinese, I mean, uh, Chinese people, they, it's preferred to have a, a sign that say, be careful when passing, crossing the uh, street. Uh, I mean, uh, in Chinese, maybe a good, good way to uh, you know, uh, help them to uh, be more aware of the uh, street conditions. All right. Thank you very much. Any other members of the public on item six? Seeing none, closing public comment. And uh, we are now joined by Commissioner Farrell, so we will take roll call on this. On item six, Commissioner Avalos? Aye. Avalos, aye. Commissioner Cohen? Aye. Cohen, aye. Commissioner Farrell? Aye. Farrell, aye. Commissioner Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. Commissioner Tang? Aye. Tang, aye. The item passes. All right. Thank you very much. And now if we can call item seven. Item seven, recommend allocation of 10975410 in Prop K funds and 794980 in Prop AA funds with conditions for six requests subject to the attached fiscal year cash flow distribution schedules. This is an action item. Thank you. We have Mike Pickford again. Good morning. Um, so this morning we have uh, six requests again. Uh, first is fall protection system. So this would fund uh, the harnesses. Oops. Thank you. I don't know if you see the graphic there, but uh, this would fund fall protection systems at SFMTA's Presidio Yard, which services trolley buses, including uh, those currently being procured. Um, currently, only one of the facility's eight maintenance lanes has fall protection, so there's a backlog of roof-related repairs. Uh, second, SF Public Works is requesting funds to repave segments of Clayton, Clipper, and Portola, where the average pavement condition index score is 54 out of 100. Uh, additionally, the project will construct new curb ramps and repair curbs and sidewalks at various locations. Uh, the second paving request uh, would do work on 47 blocks of 11 different streets focusing on Eureka, Grandview, and Mangles. Uh, the pavement condition here is almost as bad at 59 out of 100. This project would also construct new curb ramps and repair sidewalks at various locations. Uh, next to Bessie Carmichael Crosswalk, this project would use District 6 and TIP Capital funding to open a mid-block crosswalk on Sherman Street connecting Bessie Carmichael Elementary School to a path through Victoria Manolo Dravez Park, which is across the street. Uh, this project emerged from a site visit with school administrators and community members um, uh, and uh, would, uh, would identify um, engineering measures to improve safety and encourage students to walk and bike to school. Uh, SFMTA has already implemented several complementary improvements, such as signage, daylighting uh, at the curbs, um, and uh, traffic signal timing changes. 
next elevator safety and reliability upgrades. This request um, is for construction of comprehensive rehabilitation of 12 elevators at four Muni Metro stations. Funding would come from a placeholder in the Prop AA strategic plan that's for uh, Muni rapid network projects. And this project would improve access to the subway stations, which are a critical component of the rapid network. Uh, Finally, the uh, Muni bus layover area at Bart Daly City Station. Uh, so you heard about this earlier with the um, Prop AA call for projects. Uh, so this request is to allocate funds to the bus layover project. Um, and uh, this allocation would be contingent, of course, on uh, the board approving uh, or programming for the funds. Um, again, this project would improve bus reliability and uh, allow for increased service on the 14R route. Uh, the layover area would take the place, um, as Anna said, of about 30 paid parking spaces, but um, Bart thinks that will uh, end up um, uh, with a wash with the extra riders that the 14R would bring. Um, so with that, I can take any questions. All right. Thank you very much for your presentation. Any questions or comments? Commissioner Avalos? Thank you. Just a question on the uh, Daly City um, stop for, for, for the 14R. Um, I'm just, do you, are you aware of what the actual, um, what people are paying to actually take the, uh, they take Muni to Daly City Bart and then they take Daly City Bart in down, to downtown? Are they paying um, what would two separately things? Is there a discount because they come on Muni for that? I, you know, I'm not exactly sure how that works with the transfer. Um, I, I was just anecdotally trying to, you know, remember what, what the deal was on that. So that's okay. Yeah, um, I apologize. I, I don't know this. Just the, uh, the extension of the 14 to uh, Daly City Bart has been uh, something that's really helped a lot of residents in my district. It's the quickest route to get to uh, downtown to actually go to Daly City Bart rather than Balboa Park Bart Station. So I, I support the project. Thank you. Great. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, seeing no other questions or comments, then we'll open up item seven to public comment. All right. Any members of the public? Seeing none, then public comment is closed. And if we can have a motion on that. Motion to approve. Second. All right. Second. All right. Thank you. Motion by uh, Commissioner Avalos, seconded by Commissioner Cohen, and we'll take that without objection. All right. The item passes. Item 8, please. Item 8, Rail Capacity Strategy Update. This is an information item. Thank you. We have Graham Satterwhite from SFMTA. Good morning, Commissioners. Graham Satterwhite, SFMTA. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to come talk about some of the work we've been doing here. It's really the start of a long-term conversation on major transit investments, uh, but also some near-term actions that MTA can take to help improve the system today. Um, we're going to go over the work that was done, how we did it, uh, and then just really dive right into what are the recommendations or, or uh, improvements that we've identified, and where do, where do we take this work from here? Anyone who rides the Muni system regularly, or even those who ride it infrequently know uh, that it's crowded. Uh, it's pass-ups occur during peak periods. It can be uncomfortable. There are many factors that contribute to a system that doesn't meet the reliability goals that the city has established for itself. And all, the, all this leads to a customer experience that is inadequate and doesn't meet expectations. This is today's condition in the face of a city that we know is rapidly growing and is adding residents and employees uh, all the time. So we needed to think uh, in 2013, how could we do something in the near term to help address this issue while making sure we're getting out ahead and thinking long term and how we're going to plan for the city, residents, and employees of the future. Uh, so the real capacity strategy is really driven by four goals. Coverage, crowding, reliability, and travel time. And so those goals manifest themselves uh, in kind of three buckets of investments. The first is looking at how to turn the dial in the near term. We recognize we're not going to deliver major investments in the next year or two or three, but that in the next five years there are things that we can do to Im provide incremental improvements for our customers today. Um, there's also things at a system-wide level that we can try to deliver as part of state of good repair investments that would also provide improvements in the near term. And then this is, again, the start of a conversation in terms of long-term thinking. How might we think of a rail system for the future in San Francisco? What are the rough areas or corridors we think might be higher priorities? 
what is the rough cost, and really think about, you know, what's our past uh, record of delivery, and what would that tell us about sort of our desires for a future rail system. We use basically a three-step methodology of assess, develop, and screen. On the assessment side, we really leveraged existing information, today's ridership, ridership forecasts, existing and forecasted land uses, this existing system travel time and reliability factors. Um, in addition, to, on the assessment side, we convened what we call the Rail Capacity Technical Panel, and this was really the frontline uh, operations managers, people who know the system like the back of their hand, as well as um, senior folks who are, are experts. Uh, the Rail Capacity Technical Panel went through a line-by-line -line look at what are the issues and hang-ups that the system has today, what is causing us headaches on a regular basis, and where are the opportunities to maybe unlock some potential of the system. Uh, we then went through developing concepts for those solutions, also held a stakeholder session I'll get into for um, some of the long-term ideas, and then really screened these concepts based on our four uh, goal outcomes we were looking for. Uh, as we went through our line-by-line -line review with uh, the Rail Capacity Technical Panel, we identified themes that kind of were occurring system-wide, and these weren't necessarily <coughs> unique, but things that MTA should be considering as part of any investments, whether that's state of good repair or system enhancement. Uh, a number of these elements are probably familiar um, for folks who, are, who have looked a lot at the Muni Forward Toolkit, things like red transit lanes and transit signal priority. Um, additional things that are more specific to the rail system are terminal tracks, kind of end-of-the-line facilities, and station or platform enhancements to make sure uh, we can handle the crowds. So these investment types would be considered under regular state of good repair projects or other enhancements within the rail system as an overall and wouldn't be necessarily discrete capital projects because they're most efficiently uh, and effectively delivered as part of larger efforts. There were discrete locations with unique issues that were identified by the technical panel. Uh, these include the West Portal area where conflicts with pedestrians, bicyclists, and vehicles cause a lot of friction and reduce our ability to get trains in and out of the, the Muni Metro subway. On the Muni Metro extension, um, we identified the need for an additional turnback track. This would alleviate turnback crowding at the Muni, or excuse me, the Embarcadero station turnback uh, that has been identified as kind of a, a constraint within our ability to operate the existing subway. It also provides sort of a spillover or relief valve in sort of large uh, crowding events at the Embarcadero turnback. An additional uh, project on the Muni Metro extension is a surface train control system. And this is really looking at recognizing that we have a lot of protection and dedicated right-of-way along the Muni Metro extension, but that some additional flexibility would allow our frontline operators to really get the most out of that system. So one idea is that during a special event, you could operate trains on each track in the same direction to really help clear out crowding uh, and special event traffic that can have effects for the rest of the system if we don't alleviate that crowding in a timely manner. And then the third, uh, excuse me, the fourth element, um, I imagine many of us are familiar with the Church and DuBose portal. Similarly, lots of bicycle and pedestrian activity there. Um, and that what we're really hoping is through the West Portal project, which we've prioritized and identified for, uh, to go out and do some piloting of it, hopefully in the near term, we can learn some lessons and try to apply those at Church and DuBose so that we're not sort of chasing our tail and trying a bunch of a grab bag of uh, improvements because um, that is a tough nut to crack. And we, uh, MTA has put a lot of effort in looking at it, and we think there's an opportunity to learn from the West Portal project on what might be most effective there. So I mentioned that we're trying to turn the dial in some increment in the near term. Uh, the SFMTA is currently developing our five-year capital improvement program, and the, these rail capacity strategy improvements were considered along with a host of other investments that the agency is making, including Muni Forward, other major corridor improvements, and, and targeted spot improvements in the system. Um, that is currently underway and being drafted. There is an uh, upcoming webinar on March 21st where folks can provide feedback, as well as uh, open houses on March 23rd and 26th and that um, at least preliminarily funding for 
the West Portal and both Muni Metro Extension projects uh, through construction have been identified for the next five years. So, you know, we're, we're really looking to invest and find some ways to provide relief to our customers today. When we shifted thinking to the, to the long term, uh, we wanted to bring together not just the in-house minds, but also key stakeholders and people who are thinking about our system on a regular basis. So we held a couple uh, stakeholder workshops for folks to bring us ideas, identify their pain points in the system, how they think it might be uh, some potential solutions, and also some rough priorities of where they think the city might think about investing first. Uh, additionally, we held an online uh, forum for people to essentially like draw their map of the future, uh, and it, it's shown there as kind of a heat map where darker lines represent uh, more frequent requests or submissions as uh, a rail corridor. And we took all this information back uh, and really tried to distill the, con the concepts, again, back down to our four goals of crowding, coverage, reliability, and travel time. In looking at how concepts performed against those four goals, we essentially developed tiers. Uh, and the tiers, rather than providing a sort of one through X list, uh, the tiers were, were themed ar around what the, the concepts really deliver. So tier one is uh, not only delivering on all four goals, but it's delivering uh, expansion into sort of new areas or a very uh, significant enhancement in service, but also benefits to the existing system and current riders. Uh, the easy example to point to is the M-Line 19th Avenue project, which while it is a project in the southwest portion of the city, it allows uh, SFMTA to operate four-car trains throughout the length of the Muni Metro subway and really deliver a lot more capacity at our Castro and Church and Van Ness stations where we see the most severe level of crowding. So that project actually is addressing a system-wide issue as well as a uh, local issue. Tier two represents concepts with similar potential, but they are still somewhat conceptual and that the, we're looking, we're going to continue to do some more thinking and analyze, see, seeing if the, the benefits really stack up. Um, and then tier three is essentially the investments you would need to achieve the, 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 four, the four goals established. So that's really about sort of building out the network of the future. Uh, and on the coverage side, uh, it, it represents high capacity service within a half mile of over 97% of San Francisco residents. Um, so we're, we're, we actually feel pretty, pretty good about that. Um, and that is just on the rail side. Any major rail investment would also come with a complimentary look at our bus system and how um, we may improve access for everyone, even though the improvement only occurs on a single corridor. So these are a long list of concepts. Where do they go from here? <laughs> How do we take you know, this MTA start of a conversation and move it forward? Uh, all of these elements have already been, are already in consideration under the MTC core capacity transit study. And that's gonna, I believe, uh, we should have some preliminary findings later this summer. Additionally, uh, SFMTA, along with the planning department and the transportation authority, Office of Economic and Workforce Development and the mayor's office are working on a San Francisco long range transportation planning program. Included in this is a much more robust outreach so that we can make sure that we can reflect the, the desires and uh, needs of the community in our long-range thinking. And um, these concepts and ideas will be incorporated into that work as well. So with that, I'll open up to any questions. All right, colleagues, any questions or comments? All right, thank you for the presentation. Um, I think that we're all glad to hear that there is this long-term uh, look and view uh, on the actions we need to take to improve our public transportation system. And I think all of us wishes that we could see improvements sooner rather than later. But again, um, thank you for your work on this. Uh, so at this time, then, I will just open up item seven, I mean, sorry, item eight to public comment. Okay, seeing none, public comment is closed. And uh, that was an information item. So we'll move on to item nine now. Item nine, Bay Area Rapid Transit Perks Program update. This is an information item. Thank you. We have Ryan Green Rizal here. Commissioners, how's everybody doing? Good morning. Uh, Ryan Greenozell with the Transportation Authority here to give you an update about our BART uh, incentives pilot program, which we're now calling BART Perks. It's a little bit more of a snappy name. 
for the program. So I'm here to just give you an update about the status. You may have seen some recent uh, media about it uh, because there was a recent update to BART's board. Uh, so we wanted to, you all to also be informed about the status of the program um, as it's evolving. So uh, just going to give you a little overview of the scope uh, and go into sort of the status of some of the scope tasks and where we're at with developing the program. Um, a little context on the program for those of you who aren't familiar with it. I was here back in September uh, presenting a little bit on it, so some of you may already be familiar. Uh, but, um, you know, the impetus is, of course, that we have extreme crowding on BART today. This graphic that I'm showing you is just an illustration of the ridership growth in the peak direction in the Transbay Tube over the last uh, three or so years. So you can see it's gone up from about 20,000 uh, to about 26,000 in just three years. That's about a 30% increase. So it's really unprecedented uh, ridership growth. And BART is experiencing, as a result of that, very uh, packed trains, of course. So um, the graphic is also showing that the national subway, subway standard for train occupancy is about 115 people for, per vehicle. And BART is uh, often experiencing loads of about 140 per vehicle. So, And I, I experience this every day. So I'm very well aware that it is, in fact, uh, packed like sardines. So uh, BART is, of course, working on several um, several initiatives to address this problem in the medium and long term, uh, including, you know, uh, you may also have heard in the news today about the fact that there are new train cars are coming. Those will provide some additional capacity. But until those come in the short term, we were, we were searching for is there anything we can do to just relieve um, a crowding a little bit for riders. It's also of great interest to us as the San Francisco Congestion Management Agency since this is, of course, a congestion problem on BART that we're, we're trying to address. So we were in conversation with BART about what we, can, what we could do about it. We were very intrigued by a pilot program that was done in Singapore where they used incentives to um, slightly reduce crowding on their transit system. So... Um, <clears throat> So moving on, just to give you an overview of the scope of the project, we're working on goals, objectives, and designing the incentives approach, um, developing our program evaluation methodology, um, determining how to configure the software and provide payments uh, to riders, and also um, developing a marketing and employer outreach approach. And we're sp splitting these responsibilities with BART, so we're working very closely with them on all the project tasks, but um, SFCTA is leading the program evaluation and the marketing employer outreach components of the program. And BART is leading the um, sort of the development of the software. And essentially how the program is going to work, and some of you, of course, have heard this before, but the idea will be um, that anybody riding BART will be able to earn points uh, for their trips on BART. Um, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit um, to, to explain it. Um, and they'll earn um, additional points for their travel in the shoulders of the peak period, and they'll be able to use those points to cash them out for rewards. Specifically, um, cash rewards is what we're looking at through PayPal. So that's the general uh, scheme of how the program will work. Um, and right now we are um, working on just refining the goals and objectives. So um, as I mentioned, the, the top goal is really to... Um, it really to reduce crowding, and that comes back to, uh, you know, trying to provide a better experience for riders. So the top goal is really engaging the public and providing a quality customer experience and making the most of available Transbay capacity. Uh, we recognize that if this program is very successful, it's possible that if we free up a little bit of um, capacity during the peak period, that some of that capacity could be backfilled by other riders. It's called this induced demand phenomenon. But we would still consider that a success for the program because um, that's really allowing um, optimal use of available Transbay capacity and really getting the most people through that capacity that we, that we can. So those are the two top goals of the program. Um, we also, another top goal is to just evaluate whether this incentive-based approach to congestion management works. Um, you know, we've tried a lot of different approaches to, or investigated a lot of approaches to congestion management as the city's CMA, and very intrigued with whether this um, incentives-based approach can be successful. So that's a real um, important objective is to, is to try to find that out, whether it's successful and cost-effective, uh, and whether it's equitable, and, and try to extract any other lessons learned that we can um, from the program. Another important parallel goal of the program is to increase employer support for uh, flexible work schedules. 
We know from surveys that this is a major constraint on people's travel. So this is just a little result from a survey we did down at Embarcadero and Montgomery stations where we asked riders uh, why they can't why they can't uh, arrive at work before 7:30, or if they can arrive at work before 7:30 or after 9:30, and if not, what are the barriers pre preventing them from doing that? And interestingly, um, most people said, I guess the plurality of people said that it was just personal preference that they're, they're, they prefer to travel during the peak period. Uh, and that's as shown on this graph, about 20% of people we talked to. But then another 20% of people said it was because they're, they're not allowed to, that their work, um, at work they won't permit them to travel um, outside of the peak period. So clearly that's an important barrier for a lot of people, and we want to try to address that through the program by working directly with employers and tr to the extent possible um, supporting them and encouraging them to allow more flexibility for their employees. So those are the goals and objectives of the program, and I gave you a little preview of the incentive scheme, but just to get a little bit more into this, the idea is that, again, you would be earning points for your travel on BART. Um, this uh, graphic is just kind of illustrating the fact that uh, generally you're earning one point, and it's either going to be per trip or per mile, and we're leaning more towards per mile at this point. Um, so. Uh, let's say one point per mile for your travel, but then in those green bands, that's what we're calling the bonus hour, which is the shoulders of the peak period. Um, you could earn as up to six, uh, six times uh, you know, that value, so six points per mile, let's say. And then you'd have the opportunity to uh, either cash that out for a low dollar value or to use your points to play a game that's in the application, and you have the opportunity to win a higher dollar value by playing the game. Um, does anybody have questions so far on the incentives approach? No? I think we're good. Thank you. Okay. Stock market. Yeah. Um, so that's roughly how we're expecting it to work. Um, and I uh, also want to just give you a little overview of how we're going to market the program. So our goal is to get up to 25,000 people to sign up. That's what we're hoping for. Uh, and we're going to do that by uh, through a variety of channels. So again, we're going to be working with employers to try to advertise it through through them to their employees. We're going to be advertising directly to folks coming out of Embarcadero, Montgomery at the most crowded periods. Um, we're also going to be using digital display signs in BART, um, doing a lot of social media outreach and marketing, and of course interfacing with the news media as well to try to get the word out about the program. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, we're Planning to call it Perks, this is the, the logo that we've come up with um, that we're, we're planning to use. So you can look out for that in the future. In terms of our schedule, as I mentioned, we're still in process of trying to prepare and finalize all the details, but we expect to be able to launch sometime this spring. And then this initial phase of the pilot would run for about six months, um, after which we'll be doing an evaluation. And fortunately, we also received um, another federal grant. I should have mentioned that this work is funded um, by a, a, primarily by a grant from FHWA, as well as BART uh, operating funds. Uh, but we actually have already received another grant to extend the pilot uh, from FTA, so we'll be able to extend it for a couple of additional <laughs> months um, after the initial pilot period. So I think this is something we want to watch really closely, and we're very excited to see how what we can learn from this. As you know, as you all know, we have very acute congestion problems uh, facing us, not just on BART, but everywhere on Muni, um, on our uh, roadways downtown. And this approach, this incentives-based approach, is a sort of a palatable, potentially a palatable way to um, to address. The, the congestion problems that we face. That's why we're, we're very interested to see if this can actually work, because it could have so many um, applications outside of um, the BART context. Found it. So uh, happy to take any questions you have about the program. Thank you for this and for um, all your work in thinking about how it is that we can reduce congestion on BART. I think that's very exciting, and I'm looking forward to seeing the results after the pilot is done to see if it really has indeed changed uh, behavior for writers. So uh, at this time, any questions or comments from colleagues? Okay, seeing none, then we will open right. this up to public comment. Thanks Item 9, any members of the public who wish to speak? Seeing none, then public comment is closed. And that was also an information item. So we'll move on to item 10. Item 10, introduction of new items. Seeing no in new introductions. I, I oh, oh I'm sorry, sorry, Commissioner Peskin, I'm new item. slow on the <laughs> buzzer. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. 
Um, as I said in my earlier remarks, uh, I want to thank you all and staff for your support in helping to fund the fourth phase of the Broadway streetscape uh, plan. Um, but I think that the recent death um, right in front of Gene Parker Elementary School last Friday only re reiterates that uh, Chinatown really needs to be ground zero for uh, implementing Vision Zero. Um, we've literally lost one life a year um, over the last four years in and around Chinatown. I've requested that uh, our staff work with uh, SFMTA staff to utilize our NTIP planning dollars so that we can fully realize the recommendations in the Chinatown Neighborhood Transportation Plan, uh, which was approved in July of last year, and I'd like to, an update at the next meeting as to where we are with that. Uh, we really cannot afford to delay these plans, um, so a status report would be greatly appreciated. And then uh, I want to chat a little bit about the Kirkland Bus Yard. Um, years ago in uh, the early 2000s when I was last on this board, um, working with the MTA in partnership with a uh, Citizens Advisory Committee process, uh, we did a land use study on the Kirkland Bus Yard. At that time, the MTA thought that the Kirkland Bus Yard would be surplus to their needs, and we did extensive studying about whether we could utilize that uh, as an affordable housing site. It is a huge site. It's 2.6 acres um, at the northern end of District 3. Um, and thanks to the work of Supervisor Kim, the voters last year passed Proposition K, which requires the city to expand its affordable housing development on public surplus sites. Uh, unfortunately, this site was not listed as a surplus site. Um, uh, back in the day, we actually realized we could build as much as 187 units of affordable housing at that site. Um, so today, uh, I'm requesting that the TA uh, build on these past studies in partnership with the MTA and the planning department um, to study the feasibility of building affordable housing on the site and examine the possibility of retaining a bus yard there and perhaps building housing up above. Um, and we should also look at uh, recommendations for temporary re relocation of the bus yard during construction should we get that far and the optimal unit mix to maximize affordable housing on site. And, of course, with the passage of Prop A uh, last November, we have the opportunity to really make something of this site. And I want to thank Directors Riskin and Chang for their interest in this issue and uh, would like to set our first meeting within the next few weeks to begin working on this project. All right. Thank you, Commissioner Peskin. Commissioner Cohen. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Peskin, uh, you mentioned that this particular piece of property wasn't identified um, through the proposal that, that Supervisor Kim brought to the voters. Can you explain why? So um, nobody's, I don't think anybody from the MTA is here, but over the last uh, quarter of a century, at two different periods, the MTA uh, determined that the Kirkland bus yard would be, was surplus to their needs and subsequently changed their minds about that. Actually, in the last iteration, when Nat Ford was the director of the MTA, uh, they were, it, it was uh, considered to be surplus, and then they realized with the coming of uh, Van S. BRT that they needed it again and hadn't thought that through very well. Um, so it's not listed as surplus because right now I believe the MTA thinks that they need the bus yard. But what I'm proposing is that we explore the possibility of a bus yard with housing above. The reason why I ask is because it makes me wonder what other pieces of property are, are out there um, that the city owns that did not that is un unaccounted for. Just, just a food for thought. Yeah, it was actually kind of interesting was when I was, this is a divergence into the whole Prop K thing, but I was uh, kind of laughed to myself when one of the only properties that showed a surplus in District 3 was the fire chief's house on Bush Street. <laughs> Thank you for your comments. And uh, Commissioner Peskin, I guess I would throw another thought in the mix. I have not vetted this with MTA whatsoever, but we've had um, huge debate about the need for a training facility. And there have been concerns about us potentially entering into a, a nine-and-a-half-year lease for about two-point-something million dollars um, with, without guaranteed certainty after that period of time. And they were looking for a large space where they could uh, have their operators, new ones, train and retrain. So I don't know if I could throw that into the mix as well. As, so 
something for consideration. Like yeah, it's a huge. <laughs> okay. Size. I mean, it's all right. Two over two and a half. I'm acres. just looking at a picture here, and I feel like it would be perfect for that. But again, I haven't spoken with MTA about this. So. All right. Okay. So now, then, if there are no other comments, questions, we will move on to public comment for item yeah. 10. And if you could speak directly about the yeah, new introduction 10. items. Good morning, commissioners. My introduction of this uh, very interesting uh, item is. The principles of six methodologies of principal vision. One, political management works on areas of A, national planning and strategies for managing the, the people. B, legislature for unification of civilized culture for the people. C, judicial branch for the check and balance of civil rights for the people. D, executive branch for the provision of living benefits and well-beings for the people. Uh, number two, military affairs work on areas of A, recruiting of the soldiers, B, training of the military force, C, using of the military force, and D, action pathway for the military force. And number three, economics works on areas of A, making use of the resources, B, production, C, making money, and D, using of the money. Number four, religion works on areas of a, establishment of the Holy Way. B, following the Holy Way. C, cultivation of the Holy Way. Four, worldly management with diversified pathways. Five, holy studies working on areas of A, understanding of the holiness. B, personal cultivation. C, establishment of virtues. Four, worldly maintenance with divine mercy and love. All right, Six. Mr. Yip, sorry, uh -oh. I need you to comment specifically on the new introductions. Okay, um, we're going to close public comment now. And if we can call item, item 11. Item 11, public comment. Yes. This is where you can speak, John. Good morning, Mr. Ness. Holy talents working on cultivation of big virtues in career performance on upright wellness or power with ultimate brilliance illuminating inner self-nature. One makes use of meditation with critical reasoning to achieve mighty ways of holy nature in creative expression with true self in wisdom of awakening to fulfill one's heavenly destiny in great success of loyalty, of parental love, of dignity, of true meanings, signify the doorway of virtues in showing of heaven heart, the leadership to a new of our people with holy mercy and true teachings manifest big works of pathways for the worldly rescue by removal of all tragic disasters and difficulties. Holy cultivation and pathway of big divine achieving profession could make oneself arising and uplifting above life and death, as well as departing from worldly tragedies of war. One's mighty mind of origin of wisdom should investigate upon study of ultimate principles of holiness with holy mercy and extension to everything. Proof of power with sharp improvement from cultivation for open giving alongside with personal life objective would fulfill one's dream of true destiny of peaceful life, meeting relationship of good purity and great prosperity. Thank you. All right, thank you. Any other members of the public who wish to speak during public comment? Seeing none, public comment is closed. And if we can call item 12, please. Item 12, adjournment. Thank you. This meeting is adjourned.